My new book, Peace Over Pain, is now available. You can buy it for $20 on Amazon or you can download it for free inside my exclusive Facebook group. Simply go to peaceoverpain.com slash join the group. And between the group and the book, you will learn how to eliminate chronic conditions. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. Welcome to episode number 157. Today, I'm sitting down with Faust Ruggiero. He's a 30-plus year veteran clinical therapist and the author of the Fix Yourself Handbook. Before we begin, sit down and relax and take in this important and beautiful conversation. Let's go. Hello there. Welcome to the podcast, Faust. Kevin, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. So what's the process way of life? You know, that developed out of many, many years of counseling people. Uh, you know, I designed my, my career so I could, you know, diversify it in the beginning. So I had a lot to draw from. And uh, when I got into private practice, it's about 33 years ago, you know, you know, you know, you, you're still using graduate school stuff. You're, you're testing things, this theory and that theory. And then you get a pretty good handle on what's working. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I saw was people just weren't paying attention to the processes that are involved in growth. You know, simple things. Let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, slow down life's pace. Um, you know, get life off autopilot. Get some conscious thinking into what you're doing. Those kinds of things. And I, I put together about 52 processes. They're, they're, they, they're in and of themselves, very small things. However, when you put them together, there you have your life. So I started teaching people how to do these things, you know, and it's just really my interpretation on things that have been there forever. I didn't, I don't think I uh, was looking to set the world on fire or create the best, you know, the best new acronym to, to sell the approach. I wanted something that was going to be actionable for people and uh, they could they could understand it. So, you know, we get into how do you be honest with yourself? We talk about that. And then uh, and of course, in counseling, as you know, you uh, you then uh, give them the things they should do. Take do this. Let's not do this. So when I wrote the book and I put the program together in, in text at the end of every chapter, which I kept small, about six pages, uh, I said, here, here's five or six or seven things. Do these things every day. And over time, you're going to see your life beginning to change. And, and so there, there's natural laws, right, involved in and this? And that's the thing, you know, it's hard for people to, to pay attention to. We like to, to uh, you know, kind of buck nature. I, I, I fought nature and I won. You, you and I know that's, that never happens. Mm-hmm. We are subject to natural laws. Uh, that doesn't mean, you know, and the interpretation is, is individual. Either that keeps me prisoner or... That frees me not to get caught up into all this insanity that I bring in my life as I'm trying to run against the wind. Right. 
And so the fix yourself handbook has these processes in there and there's 52 of them. 52 processes that are involved in uh, the 20, I'm sorry, 36 chapters. So the, the process is, it's not a chapter on a process. The process that you may have, you know, we may be working with um, people pleasing, for example. We know honesty is going to be there. We know boundaries are going to be there. We know that uh, setting goals, that all those kinds of things that, uh, that we use to stop uh, people pleasing and to, and to, you know, be more in tune with the way we'd like to do things. We know that they're all there. So I may have in, in a chapter on a particular problem I'm dealing with, I may have 10, 10 processes in there, yeah. you know, cause they all, you know, they, they all have a tendency uh, to be something that can be used to solve that problem. But once you learn how to, how to use the processes, your ability to apply them in any situation really begins to, you know, to gather some steam. Mindfulness, right? It, it really is. And that's, that's the term we use today, you know, in, in my that's day. It's the hot was, term. Yeah, it's the hot term. You know, there's always a hot term. And what simply it means, you, you can you can call it that, or it just simply means take your life off autopilot. Stop just following the crowd. Think about what you're doing. Think about how it's going to affect you. Maybe a, a plan in terms of how you're going to incrementally move forward with that, you know, all, yeah. all those kinds of things. It just, it's to keep your mind engaged. My favorite term is awareness, but mindfulness is the hot one. That's the hot term. It's the same thing. You know, it's that being conscious, be aware of what's going on in your yeah. life. Yeah. If you can do that and you're willing to, uh, it just sets the stage for everything that you're doing. Absolutely. It's, you know, I'm a clinical nutritionist. I, I do postural therapy, work with the spine and the muscles and mm -hmm. all that. But the mindfulness, the awareness is arguably even more important because even if you're unhealthy and you're suffering in pain, at least you're not suffering mentally because you're like, ah, oh, you know, you have that awareness. Yeah, but have the awareness and the awareness can help you correct some things. I, I talk a lot in, in the new book. Uh, I talk a lot about the mind body paradigm, you know, and that, that, that relationship. How, you know, it, I, and the, the example I use is like a computer and, and your printer as it's not just the computer sends something to the printer and it stays there. It's a communication piece back and forth. That's how how things print. Well, it's the same thing in life. The body and the mind are continually communicating. And if you can keep both those strong and keep them communicating the way they're supposed to communicate, it really changes things. You know, in, in my life, I'm 68 and I, 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 you know, the hour before we started the podcast, I was in my basement where we have a training center doing my workout for the day. Mm. You know, where we get up and, you know, and then there's meditation and there's the proper way to eat. You know, we don't put anything in the body that doesn't belong there. Again, if you think about it and you're willing to follow natural laws, you know, I, I can be 68 and I can go play basketball and run and do all the things that, I want to do because my mind planned it. Exactly. Now you mentioned people pleasing just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Approval, right? We're oh, seeking, it's... we're seeking approval. And this typically starts with mom and dad, right? Sure. It starts with mom and dad. It carries right through school. And you know, when, when I was in school, you know, you went to school, you came home and did your homework and played or do whatever, but school was done. The pressure to be, accepted isn't just at home anymore it's you know the, the 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 cell phone rings the social media has what you did in school today there is 
you know, and it just filters right through from childhood right to where we are now. And you can see it. You know, I have this political view. What do you mean you don't? Well, if you don't, you can't be my friend. Well, in the old days, we said, well, you have a different point of view. I can learn some things. I'll pick your brain on that one. We we're <laughs> not doing that anymore. Yeah. Social media has changed everything. Oh, it it's, the, it's the gift and the curse. It's a gift because people can make money easier and they can promote their brands and whatnot. I mean, look at us. We're talking on Zoom right, right. now. We're, we're not in the, even in the same town. Right. But the curse is we're constantly... If we're not aware, we're constantly comparing ourselves with others. And we're, we're right back to this people-pleasing approval thing. Well, you know, it's interesting thing. As you, as you were talking, what went into my mind um, uh, is that, you know, we were talking about consciousness and keeping it conscious. But that social media takes the consciousness right out of your plan. You're now back on autopilot and you're just doing the same things you're doing. And I'm watching what people post and, and uh, it, it's it make sure the other person likes it and uh, grab my buddies and, and keep us all close and attacking that person, whatever it may be. But we're not we're not thinking we're hitting that send button, that submit button long yeah. before we say, let me think this whole thing out. And it's not just uh, to be more correct or, or that type of thing. It's also because it's it, you're training your brain to become a, for you to become a certain person. And that's what everyone else is hearing and what they're seeing. If you take some time and think about what you want to post and how you want to post it, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be more, uh, better received and you're going to feel good about what you're doing. You may even teach people a few things. Hmm. And it's got to be really tough for high schoolers, teenagers, especially female teenagers who really care about their appearance. And you know, I have a friend who, whose daughter committed suicide at 16. Uh, I don't know what the statistics are, but I would have to assume that suicides are up in teenagers now than it were 10 years ago. Far above and, and, and more so coming out of the pandemic. You know, the, the, the uh, thing I've always been saying is when, when we were kids, suicide was, you didn't think about that. And, oh my God, someone did whatever. The kids kind of have that in their toolbox. It's locked up in the corner, but it's there. And if it gets really bad, I'll just do that. And you want to talk about not thinking something through and, and mm. conscious thought not applying. That is now part of the way they live. That is in the picture. And by the time most kids get out of high school today, it's not uncommon for them to lost to lose uh, six, eight, ten of their friends to suicide. Wow. That's a lot. You know, yeah. if we had one in the four years I was in high school and I, we had one and I remember it, um, that was, that was, just, everyone just was, you know, just, uh, you know, so, so uh, taken back by it, but we don't see that it's, it's dealt with that they grieve it. Um, some will even glorify it, um, but then it, life moves on. Now you've, you've counseled so many people in your career how many times does that approval, that people pleasing thing come into, into play? Even, I mean, you've been doing this long before social media. You know, it's always been there. <clears throat> and, and what I teach people and I teach them all the time is we have a tendency to formulate who we are based upon what comes from the outside in. 
and 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 it never leaves. That's how we are wired, uh, you know, right from the beginning with parents and family, and and uh, and through you know, elementary school, college, you know, and into adulthood, we have a tendency to look outside and bring that in. So we reaffirm and we under we think we understand each other based upon a comparison to what's out there. Now, some of that's good. Some of that is good information, but the, the, the you know, the, the majority of what we get, we should be formulating inside and it should go inside out, not outside in. That, that's really how we should define ourselves. And, and the reason for that, I think, is that what comes in, we have no control over. Uh, you know, and, and what if today the person loves what you did and tomorrow they don't? How do you know? You know, there's a real inconsistent message that it's constantly coming in and out. So we're, we're, we're monitoring that all the time and we're, we're reacting. And if someone doesn't seem to be real warm and friendly to us one day, we assume it's us, but maybe they're having the bad day. You know, we, we just don't tear this apart real well. So I always tell people, try to work on you, be strong inside, uh, feel good about you based upon what you yourself are doing. Take that outside. It's, it, it, you know, the, to, to affirm yourself is much, much more uh, exciting. Uh, much more fulfilling than what you get from someone else. And it's the same every day. That's nice. Hmm. Do you think that How... let me rephrase, how would you convert anger into love? It's an interesting thing because, uh, you know, I'm a, the, the new book is the fix your anxiety handbook. Right. And, and we're, you know, we're doing a series of, of these books and, um, and, and what I, I, you know, talk about anger, you really look at where it comes from. Anxiety is one of those places, rejection, uh, abuse, all those sorts of things. The first thing when people come in and they're angry, I'm going to start tearing apart some things. So let, let's look at, you know, your, your childhood. Let's look at, first of all, I'll say to appease them, let's look at what's going on right now. But you know, if it's anger, Okay, you might, I got angry about this this week is one thing. I've been angry for a long, long time mm. and I lash out or I, I, uh, I react very quickly. You know, there, there are so many types of anger. Uh, so I'm going to go out and help them define which anger they have. Um, do you have anger that comes from your childhood? Is it post-traumatic stuff that you're dealing with? Um, is it situational anger now? Is it rapid anger? You're just one of those people that it hits, it blows, it's gone. That's the end of it. Then you're not angry anymore. Let's define what, what anger you're dealing with. That's, that's always important, I think. And then we want to go back. And if there's some things we need to rectify, we need to go back and uh, get some old, uh, 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 things cleared up in your life. We'll go back and do that. Then we get the plan for how we're going to move forward and do those conscious things, you know, mm. uh, you know, mom used to say, count to 10 before you did anything, you know, and we all laughed at it. But what that did is made you think that's what they're really saying. Take a step back and think about what you're doing. Then we're going to program some different things into what we're doing. But so it's define, go back and fix and then go forward. That's how I do it. Right. And so you're okay with having the, the client face their past. Some people stay away from that. You know, I, and I, my opinion is, and I, I don't want to be judgmental here, but I think the people that stay away from it do that because they don't know how to go and fix it. Hmm. It, it. It takes a skill level to go back and help people through something because what you're doing is you're 
you're pulling some of the old scabs off, if you will, and yep. they're going to feel uncomfortable. And too many therapists today want to, want to smile in, in, in therapy and make it feel good. And the person leaves and say, I feel so much better today, but that doesn't last. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're going to have some issues in there. That's why you went there. Um, it's, it's our job and we should have the ability to bring them through that in piecemeal fashion in a way that they can understand it but it doesn't traumatize them again. And, and we can do that. A lot of people stay away from it and they'll say, well, that's not important. Let's talk about today. Well, no, that's not really the case. Most of the time with anger or things like that, we have to go back and clear some things up. Not all the time. Not everyone has to go back. Sometimes it's situational life circumstances and we stay there. Other times we have to go back, but I just think it's important as a therapist to be able to do whatever is necessary. How about like exposure therapy, like getting someone to just face, face it head on, you know, sometimes, you know, people can freak out, you know, someone can freak out if they're, uh, I don't know, scared of something and, you know, you do a visualization exercise or something and they just, they go into panic, you know? Yeah. You know what? You can do that. Once again, you're talking about skill level of the therapist. We prepare them for that. You know, we don't we don't just uh, put this scalding hot cup of coffee on the table and say, here, sip this. You know, we're going to talk about you know, what happens when, you know, it, it, it hits your lips. We're going to we're going to prepare. We're going to talk about cool down time. We, you know, so same thing applies in therapy. If I'm going to get you back to an implosive area, a time where you, inside you just feel like you're going to explode when you go through that again, I'm going to get you prepared. I get you strong enough to do that. Uh, you know, examples, uh, most of the time we see that with abuse situations, you know, well, let's go back and clear that up. Well, my dad did this to me or my uncle or whatever. And if you take them back and just put it on them, they're going to go back and have the dreams. They're going to have the anger. They're going to feel victimized and mm. come back in and say, I can't do this. And, uh, but if we start just talking about it and laying down a foundation and getting them to understand what abuse is about, you know what the interesting thing is, Kevin? We, I don't have to introduce it. They do. I want to go back and deal with this now. Okay, let's do it. Because if you prepare them properly, and that's really what counseling should be, not us pushing things on them, getting them to the point where they say, I would like to do this. And we knew we were going in that direction, but we made it their decision. It's a whole lot easier to move someone when they're compliant and mm -hmm. they, and they are motivated to do that. <clears throat> and, and then when we start it, we're still going incrementally a little bit. Let's just do a little bit. And I've had people say, okay, great. Let, let's go into this part of it now. And I say, stop. If we do that, you're going to be biting off too much emotionally. You, it's, it's going to come back and get you. And then you're going to be calling me tomorrow and say, I got to get in again. So let's just go with this. Let's think about it. And then you go, you know, you go home and think it through. Let's look at what you come back with next week. And after a while, they after a session or two, they adjust to that pace. So it's a slow process of unveiling things. It is. Yeah. Yeah. If if somebody was abused of some sort, do you have to get them to forgive the person that abused them? It is the the best of the goals. Uh, on the other hand, I've had people who have come through it 
are healthy people, are functioning, their relationships are good, um, and they haven't forgiven. Um, they have come to terms with, and that's as far as they're able to go. If I would try to push them to do that, they might see me as nothing more than one more person holding them down, so to speak. Um, I, I very rarely bring up forgiveness in abuse cases until the person themselves does it. Hmm. There's so much ground to cover to begin with. Um, and when you talk about forgiving for abuse, particularly sexual abuse or, or you know, terrible physical abuse, um, you're talking about something that is so traumatic that even introducing it sometimes, even do, introducing the notion of forgiveness can put a person in a position to feel as though they have to be victimized again. The other person has the upper hand, so to speak. They're getting away with something until they understand it uh, and, and, and get to the point that they've worked through all the other components. The victimization is the, is the big one. Not just having been victimized, living as a victim in, in, in a more generalized sense in all the uh, various aspects of their life. When they get through that and they don't feel like a victim anymore, and they really want to move ahead, they will typically say, I want to move ahead, but something's holding me back. And that's when I'll say, well, you're holding on to some old stuff there. People keep using the forgive word. It doesn't have to be used. Let's just go back and address some of those old feelings, I'll say. Hmm. And then the person will say, this doesn't seem, that person doesn't seem so big in my life anymore. Then we'll talk about the various, you know, the process of forgiveness and whether or not they want to apply it. Again, we're right back to the skill level of the therapist. We, we, we really are. Well, it's like that old saying, hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And so the person that abused the person, you know, they need therapy too, you know, like they, they need yeah. help. Sure, there's going to be anger there. I mean, the, the easiest way often for people to deal with victimization is to become angry. It, it, it is a veil. It is. It's, 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 it's a force field around you. You can't get near me because I'm angry. And every now and then, in order to convince myself that I'm power, powerful enough to push this off, I'll go hurt somebody else. Now, I'm, I'm in the position of power. That doesn't mean they have to go abuse someone else, uh, but they may just be people that aren't pleasant and, and let you know right from the beginning that, you know, Hey, uh, you're, you're not getting anywhere near me. Don't try to don't try to do anything. I'm telling you right now, if you do, you know, my fist is cocked and I'm ready to go. It's, you know, and, and that's, you know, it's a great protection device, if you will, but it really doesn't bring any happiness into your life. Yeah. Yeah. Having a victim oriented type thinking is that's not a good life. No, it's a horrible way to live. You know, and it, not just because you're going to do things, it's in your head every day with everything you do. You don't realize that you're. Oh, you're, some people complain of the weather. Like it's raining and it shouldn't be raining. I can't believe it. I hate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everything victimizes them. And we saw that in the in the pandemic. You know, I, I, when I was counseling people, even online, I was doing uh, interviews on the first book. And I was saying to people, you know, they were just at each other because things like toilet paper might not be in the picture. And I said, if you all take a step back, we're not a nation that just, you know, says, go ahead, die in the corner over there. If, if you, if you get the virus, you're going to isolate, you're going to isolate yourself. 
And then people are going to drop groceries and what have you on your porch. If you leave the money for them or whatever, it's going to be your family that drops things off. You're not going to be left out there and die and wither away. You're, you're, you know, your emotions are getting in the picture here. You're, this is not a victimized a system where you're going to be victimized. You can really find your power in it. Once you take a step back, I catch your breath, get your emotions out of it. It's not one, another one of the processes I work with. I call it I over E, intellect over emotions. And nothing more than giving yourself some time, putting the emotions down just a bit in the beginning and thinking a little bit. That's all it really is. Uh, you know, and that's when it comes to victimization, it's back to being conscious about things. What am I thinking? Where is this coming from? What's it doing to me? How can I do something a little bit different? You know, it's, it's really all about that kind of thing. Mm. But sometimes you got to go back and clear up the past. Now, you mentioned that you're 68. Mm -hmm. So you've been around a hot minute. Do you remember people, say, 30, 40 years ago, do you remember them needing therapy as much as they do now? In other words, what I'm asking is, do you think the advancement of civilization has made people made people mentally weaker? I do. Yeah. And, and it all comes down to really to two concepts. <clears throat> the first one is speed. We're, we're going way, way too fast. You know, information age really took hold 20 years ago. We have not gotten to the point where we understand how to control that. That's the first thing. The other thing is we have far too many choices. I always call it this, I, you know, when I uh, do analogies for people in, in sessions, I, I call it the sneaker game. When I was a kid, uh, there were three kinds of sneakers you could buy. Uh, there were uh, Ted's, PF Flyers, and Converse. And you could buy white high tops or you can buy white low tops. You could buy black high tops or black low, uh, low tops. And then Converse was cool. It came out with red ones. So, yeah. you know, everybody wanted those, but that was it. You knew exactly what you- Same with cars. And every, every, right, and everyone was thrilled to have their new, same as the next guy sneakers. We were just thrilled. Now you go into the sporting goods store and there's a hundred or 200 sneakers on the wall and you, and doesn't matter what you pick. When you come home, you say, oh, I don't think I like these. We're not satisfied with every, with all the options that we have. It's created so much conflict and you put conflict and speed together. And the, and the, uh, the uh, product of that is the, is the difficulty in making decisions. So now we're trying to move forward. We're going very fast. Decisions are demanded at a, at a much more rapid pace People are trying to do that. They're making bad decisions. They're trying to keep up. And the accelerants are in play now. It used to be watch the caffeine. Now it's, hey, everybody, there's 30 milligrams caffeine. This is more caffeine than the next guy. Take this one. And I'm saying, when they come in, so are they coming in more often? Yes. Do they need it more? Absolutely. And the, the other carlet to that is that they're coming in with, more of them are coming in with medications already prescribed. When I started practicing in just private practice 30 years ago, maybe five, 10% of the people came in, had medicines. Now it's more like 70, 60, yeah. 70% yeah. are all, already on either antidepressants or anti-anxiety medications. And that's very scary. Yeah. And the pharmaceutical industry is having, having a party. <laughs> yes, they are. Cause what they're not selling drugs. They're selling a drug culture. Once they sell that, we'll just plug in autopilot will take hold. And it's already happened. 
good way to put it. Okay, so now let's go beyond your era and your lifetime. Do you think people a thousand years ago could use therapists? You know, probably only because the way the culture worked then is everybody, you know, you had to keep it to yourself. So we saw at that time substance abuse and a lot more anger and physical abuse, all those kinds of things. Uh, so sure, it should have happened then, just for different reasons. <clears throat> we can even see some of that now. Uh, men are just getting to the point that they are routinely coming into counseling before they didn't because the culture said, no, we, we don't do that. There's a stigma there. Men better be, be able to handle life on their own. So did we need it then? A thousand? Yeah, probably. Probably beyond that. You know, you, you can go back into, uh, you know, the history, history books and go back into the the 13th and 14th century and what people were doing to each other. And if they would have had someone to sit down and routinely talk to, they might've done things just a little bit differently. I do think we were probably tougher though, back then. Oh, well, that's the other part. We were built uh, to, you know, to uh, endure a much harsher environment. Right. We didn't, we didn't expect it. You know, we are a soft society right now. Oh we yeah. Really are. Oh yeah. You know, and when I think about that, you know, I thought the pandemic might, we might've come out of that and said, you know, we can do this. And we didn't, we came out and that's again, the scary part of it. We came out softer than we went in. Yep. Yep. It's what I call the digital world order. <laughs> yeah, and it is. We're going to be doing uh virtual reality soon. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy. People are, men don't feel like men anymore. Oh. Or when you do find a manly man, it's like one out of, 20 <laughs> yeah, exactly because exactly. cause you got you know grown 30 year olds playing video games and how about it you okay. know and and, and uh we took a, uh, accountability on at a much earlier age so we knew that's again where you know the process that i'm talking about we had to take those on at an earlier age uh, the other thing is that our the roles we had were much more clearly defined it may you know you you'll hear the natural order today is to put that down when well, we had to go into those things. And, you know, and now we have, but now we have teenagers and they don't know who they are. And they're saying, uh, I'm, I'm he, I'm she, I'm they, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm all those things that I don't you know. Talk about, talk about choices. We're not talking about sneakers here anymore. Now yeah. we're talking about the sexual physical presentation yeah. you know, as, as met on internal basis. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, talk about scary because these people may not get this all sorted out till way into their 30s. Right. You know, and there's no pressure on them to do that. Not that there should be pressure, but they're, you know, our generation, people counseling now do not understand what it's like, what these kids are feeling and what they're thinking because the roles were much more um, specified when we, uh, when we came through things now. It's okay. It's in fact, it's even far. It's even accepted to have no idea who you are as a person, sexually, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I, I have people that are coming in and um, and uh, they're, they're changing their names to the other sex, and they want to be called he or she, which is the other sex that they are. And um, and and again, it's it's the today version of what we went through as kids. We all had confusions too, but we 
really had a little bit more guidance to work them out. There's no guidance. There's nobody that's gone through this like this before. Do you think perhaps 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be a wave of people who got sex changes that are regretting it? And all of a sudden they're on Good Morning America and they're speaking out and they're like, oh, you know, 30 years ago I I changed and I don't know why and now I'm regretting it. And... They'll, they'll be there. I, I'm not going to say they're going to be the majority. I don't know that. Uh, that's hard to it, and it's hard to know because it, it all depends on how we as a culture help guide these people. And I say guide them. I don't mean guide them in one direction or, or the other. I just mean help them on the through the transition, through the exploration of what they're doing. Yeah. And, and we have to be able, uh, like any other condition of life, um, we have to be able. If, if you come in and say, "Well, gee, I've got anxiety," and, and, and you know, you're, you're you're my spouse, and I say, "Okay, let's let me find out everything I can about anxiety because I want to be there to support you. I want to be there to." to help you, help you guide yourself through this. We're not doing that. We all have our own feelings about what a transgender person is yeah. or, or any of that. So we're not together as a society. We're not together as people providing treatment modalities enough to help these people through that. So a lot of it depends on how we're willing to help them through that. And helping them does not mean you have to accept it. It just means you have to accept and love them as people. Who are going through whatever they're going through yeah. and, and try to guide them and just be there so that they're not all alone in this that's yeah. the key yeah i went to a family event last weekend and uh my second cousin who i haven't seen in a while is you know used to be a woman is now a man mm -hmm. pretty young uh probably late 20s yeah maybe late 20s yeah. And yeah, you would you would have no idea. You'd be like, that's a dude. <laughs> You'd have no idea. And yeah, uh, yeah good person. But see, I, I hope that he doesn't regret it 20 years from now. Of course. And, and it, see, the, the the issue that I'm I'm getting in, in counseling sessions is that not just that someone comes in and says, I'm just not sure. Or I think I want that. If I say, well, good, let's work through it. And I say, no, I'm already there. I want that. They're there. They make the decision. Now we're back into, into that quick, rapid society thing where I'm feeling it and I don't want to have to feel the confusion. So I'm picking one, but I think I'm, I want this one. And they may, for all I know, they may be absolutely correct in their decision. I just don't know that they know that. I'm not sure they know they know that. But you're right. The, in, in changing, at least where technology and medicine is now, uh, you make the change. You, you're there. I don't know. 50 years from now, you may make the change and say, I don't want this. And they and, and, and Doc says, well, let's get you back. And maybe they can change you back all over again. But they'll geez. find a way because it's a, good re it's, it's a heck of a revenue stream. Oh, talk about it. <laughs> you know, you, you, you get these um, rogue medical doctors who create a side business and they create a side clinic and you know, they do the tummy tucks or the Botox. Mm -hmm. And now there's, you have a bunch of them doing sex changes. It's not like you go to your regular physician and say, I want a sex change. You go to someone who doesn't know you. And the other thing I'm finding is that they're doing the sex changes and the people aren't even getting counseling to understand 
what they're experiencing. Some are, and that's great, um, but others are not. Um, and you know, from my perspective, their choice is their choice, and you know, I'm going to love them regardless of what they do. Yeah. I just don't. I, I just don't want them to be in pain now or later. You know, the, the goal is to try to make uh, decisions that are, are going to be beneficial in life, going to keep you happy and productive, and all those things we look for. And uh, you know, and and that's in the long run. I mean, therapy is all always designed for the long run. What we're seeing with young people isn't always designed for the long run. I see it now. I want it now. This is who I am now. And they're 15. I don't even know how they know what they want at 15. Yeah, I don't either. I you know, don't I understand either. they have more, uh, you know, resources at their disposal than we did, but I'm not so sure the emotional stuff is as stable because there's just too, too much. We're going too fast and there are just too many choices and not enough support from people who have already been there. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm of the belief that you really don't know too much until you're about 30. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> and, and and it might be a little later these days cuz they're like I said they're still home playing video games. <laughs> yeah, you need you need your 20s to experiment with life. You do. You but know. see everything gets pushed forward. Uh, and 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 uh what we experienced in our twenties, these kids are experiencing at 16 and 15. I mean, I have a kid that's coming in school and, and for counseling, his mother brought him in. He's 12. And um, it's a country school, more, more um, rural school, but urban people have begun to move in. So we're seeing kids coming from more inner city backgrounds and the kids were in a different public school. Now they're putting them in a private school to get them out of the public school and away from all that. But he is 14. He's been having sex since he was 11. Wow. Um, there's drug drugs in the picture, depending on where you are and your exposure and your family and all those kind of things, they're experiencing things far younger than we did. Now, you know, the philosophy some people have is, well, they'll sort them out earlier. I said, no, because they're hitting in the formative years when the brain is still, is still you know, learning how to do things. And it, it hasn't formed completely on a intellectual and emotional levels. And uh, they're gonna, there's gonna be some some setbacks that they're gonna experience because of that. And that's, you know, I've seen that now in the last 20 years. As you went back and asked me I, uh, about uh, how I'm counseling differently now than I was earlier. I'm seeing that they're not straightened out in in their late 20s and in their 30s because of what they did when they were 15, or what they should have done and, and did not do. There's a whole, a lot of gaps there that, that we're seeing. And again, no one has a roadmap for these kids. That's the scary part. Adults right. don't, do not know. Parents do not know how to deal with their children. They've thrown the towel in many of them. Mm -hmm. Kids are running the show in many places. Yeah. And we, we already have seen this with like, you know, you get a hyper three-year-old or a hyper two-year-old and, <laughs> And they, they like run the house, you know, but, you know, now, it, you know, they get older. What, what's the deal with children anyway? Because can you tell if you have like a really, let's say, hyper and rambunctious boy that's in two, three, four years old, is that any prediction of what they may be like when they're 14, 15, 16, or can it just totally change? can totally change kids are developing and sometimes they're growing out of things sometimes it's a dietary thing sometimes um something congenital that is that is going to alleviate itself or sometimes 
It's issues that if you deal with them when they're three, four, and five years old and get those things addressed, then they don't see them as much in adolescence. For some kids, you know, hyperactive kids, things like that, they may that that may move into adolescence. But you know, again, the key is if if you're seeing it, it's there for a reason. It just didn't happen. And if you're a parent, you say, okay, fine, I got this thing, I got this going on. It's not really where I want it to be. At least start with the pediatrician, at least get them seen, make sure everything physically is in order. I always tell people that body first, get, get, get things uh, checked. If things are in order, then you move from, from that level. If the behavior continues, you might see a child psychologist and at least have a consultation. Right. Right. So how far into counseling do you introduce a client, a one-on-one -on -one client, to your books, your handbook? I typically don't. Hmm. Um, they often, they're out long enough now, and people coming in, they're coming in either local people, and they all know it, that's there, or they're coming from online sources where they've already said, hey, I read your book, and I see you do counseling. So I know I, I'd be I'm careful. And I, I guess I'm, you know, part of the old ethical crowd, you know, where you, you don't have people coming in to buy what you're selling. If they bring it up, then I will say, yeah, will it help me? Yeah, I think so. You know, there's a website and I direct them there. Go see there's excerpts from the book. There's all that kind of stuff there. But I, I try to stay as close to the ethics as possible and don't push. I don't think that, I, don't, I think it's a, not a good thing to do to push our own products while we're counseling people. If, if that were happening and I was the person being counseled, I'd say, well, do I have to read your book? I mean, can't you tell me this in counseling? That's what I'm coming here to pay for. <laughs> I, I might get a, a message I don't want. So I don't right. do that to anyone else. Right. What is mental health? Depends on who you talk to. <laughs> Again, isn't, it, isn't it interesting though that it's it's mainstream now? Oh, people come in and they talk. I have to. I'm dealing with my mental health. I, I, I'm in the business. I never said that. You know, it it is part of that. You know, it's part of awareness, and we, we understand that there's a part of us that we that we need to make sure. You know, we need to make sure that that's healthy. But on the other hand, we sometimes treat that as the weakness. You know, my mental health, and I'm feeling this way today. We are so overly uh, uh, exposed to and 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 focused on our mental health. When, you know, if you think about it, you're in the moment, you deal with life in the moment. Hmm. If you do that and you put your best step forward, most of the time you're not dealing with my mental health. Uh, but we are, we haven't solved old issues. We're horribly apprehensive about going forward. We're not satisfied with any portion of our lives. And somehow that's become a mental health condition. Hmm. And what I tell people is get active start making some plans, do these things. I teach them how to do that. And very, almost invariably, they come back and say, mental health is not an issue. I just wasn't doing the right things. That's right. Yeah, you know, I, I often say, and I usually say some controversial things, that mental health is the new cancer, hmm. just in the sense of it's being promoted it's being promoted by the medical system. And, you know, you could watch an NFL game and it 
cancer, 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 right? And then now you're seeing mental health, mental health, mental health, mental health. This is some big time social engineering because you know, we walk, we walk away from the game like, oh yeah, my mental health, <laughs> my mental health. Sure. And, and, and not only not only that, you can just sit down and on any, let's say, hour-long television show, you will probably have seen at least three um, commercials for some type of medication that you absolutely must have. And so people look and they say, am I missing something? Am I, am I not going to be as healthy if I don't take that? Uh, there's so much um, focus on my mental health. And I just say, it, it's not about that. You're, you're turning your brain on itself is what you're doing. It, it, most people don't want to do the work to get, not to get better, to live a healthy life. Every day you get up, you look at the information, you make the right decision, you become a, an active player in your own life, do what you're supposed to do, challenge a few boundaries, get a little uncomfortable, learn how to come through that discomfort, and you're happy. It's, 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 it's not some, some you know, rocket science, as they say. It, it, you're focusing on your head will have you identify every problem in the world you think has to be fixed. Hmm. When you stop focusing on your head, and focus on the plan to move forward, your world will, will come to you. You'll bring it right in. I love feeling uncomfortable. It makes me stronger. It does. You know, I always use the, um, the analogy of exercise. You know, most people don't want to, a lot of people don't want to exercise. Yeah, or sore going, feeling, right? Yeah, you, you get in there and say, oh, I'm, I'm sore. Or, you know, I used to uh, bench press 110 pounds. Now I can do 130. I'm going to try for 140. Oh, that was hard. Or I'm going to get on the elliptical or the, or, or, or the treadmill. And uh, I used to do 10 minutes and I was uh, getting beat up. Now I'm doing 40. And guess what? I want to do 50 now because yeah. that's the way the mind works. The mind can be insatiable that way. Mm. And I always say it can be insatiable to pleasure things like you're eating junk and all that crap you do, or you can turn it into a power thing for you and move forward and challenge yourself and when you do in the brain and i'm sure you know this but we, we have a process called habit formation it is the brain's ability to adapt to what we're doing not only to adapt to it to become accustomed to it to accommodate and then to make it and then to be stronger because of it it will form a new comfort zone I just tell people, get out of the comfort, your little comfort zones and keep on challenging yourself. When you get to a plateau, that's a comfort zone. Challenge again and keep challenging. And you get to a point where you feel capable yeah. of just about everything that comes into your life. That's the, that's the point when you're healthy, when you can say, you know what, no matter what comes up, I'll probably beat it. Or at the very least, I'm going to be in the game and I'm going to go attack it. I'm going to go get it. Uh, that's one of my favorite words. It's capable. Yeah. And I've, I've started to, when I assess people, cause you kind of have to in business or in life, you just have to kind of, I, that's usually how I do it. Is this person a capable person or are they an incapable person? <laughs> Some people are completely incapable. Like they get so overwhelmed that, you know, all right, well, this isn't the person I want to hire, or this isn't the person I want to date or, you know, <laughs> some people just crack well you know what and some people will want to go back to that mental health thing some people will do that on purpose so they don't have to apply the effort to do mm. it. and i keep telling them stop making 
your life a chore. Yeah. Oh, I got to do this. When it comes up, be thankful that you can go get it and maximize your potential. Yeah. And, and what, what that does, besides creating more uh, intelligent comfort zones, it also gets you, puts you in a position to understand and identify options. And where you were, you were comfortable before, but you were locked in this little place with no options, no ways out. And that gets stagnant before it, you know, it becomes toxic and then you become toxic. Why don't you go challenge these places, create new options? You don't have to even take the options. Know that you can create them, you can see them, and you can decide to go get any one of them anytime you want to. Yeah. And I just had that conversation with a woman yesterday, uh, last week in, in counseling. And I said, um, you know, about options. And she said, well, you know, I could have retired two, three years ago, but what did I do? I wrote a book and, and now I'm promoting. And now I wrote a second book and I'm promoting. There's nothing special about me. I just happen to be an action person. I see it. I go get it. And I run my entire day that way all the time. There's a list. I'm going to go get it done. I, you know, it's that that body and mind that's that, that uh, creates action, stays in action, and you, that's what this is all about. But enjoy it. It's yeah. not something to be feared. It's not something that that should make you feel like, oh my god. I, and most of the time, when you get the oh my god, I can't do that. You know what they go do? Nothing. Television, out with friends. Yeah. Uh, something to waste the time on. Play a game on your phone. That's what you're doing instead of making you better i yeah. think you know cliche here you should love yourself enough to get up every day and say i am going to plug in and i may fail but i'll tell you what i'm going to try well you and i have a great advantage because we we like what we do we do i love it passionate i i love what i do i you know i i sometimes visualize the future when i'm your age or even older and say I don't think I want to stop doing this. I don't, I don't think I want to retire. <laughs> I don't think I want to. I was I like faced it. with that. You know, we were in a partnership and two of us and one a partner was a retirement and she wanted to get out. So we sold the building. I moved and they said, you're going to go online. I said, no, I'm moving everything home. My home's big enough. Uh, I have here in the Northeast, they have sellers. So it's finished seller. I moved everyone there. Everyone comes and I'm still seeing people and I never stopped in the office because I love doing that. I love to be able to look at them and hear them be in the same space, share that space with them, see the body language. You know, the, the session's over and we had one of those where they went back and I looked like they're just coming apart a little bit. And they, before they walk out, they get that hug that says, I'm with you. Don't worry about it. You're not alone. See you next week. Mm. I still love that, you know, and, and yeah. one of my heroes, if you will, was a local psychologist. He passed away about five years ago. He practiced till he was 84. I practiced till a month before he passed away, you know, and I, I, and I used to say, Doc, how come? He says, I love it. I, I just love these people. I love to talk to them, you know, and that's me, you know, that's, yeah. that's what we do. But, but if, if, if you get into action, you'll identify more things you like. You, what, what, what it's really about is we like being in action. We like being, do, we like doing the things that we have identified. One of those options or two of those options we've identified. We love doing it. So you keep on going. Yeah, absolutely. So before I ask you my last question, mm -hmm. I want to ask you now, where can someone find your books? 
they're on Amazon. Uh, we have a website. Uh, my, it's my name, FaustRegero.com. My website is de is uh, dedicated solely to the books and and the work that I'm doing. Uh, you know, interviews. All most of them are there. Excerpts from the book are there. Uh, anything you need to know about the program, we call the the Fix Yourself Empowerment Program, is there. Uh, so they can stop by. They can review everything and decide where they want to buy the books. And then if so, there's a link right on the website to to uh, buy the books or contact me if people would like to. Okay. Last question. What are the top three books that influenced you in your life? You know, it's interesting. Um, people, when uh, I answer that question, people assume I'm going self-help or psychologist or whatever. I'm going to a novel, a novelist that wrote way early in the century by the name of Herman Hest. Mm. And, and Hest wrote three, uh, a whole bunch of books, but um, uh, the books, there are two, uh, particularly there, there are, there are three, but the two I like are Narcissus and Goldman. He won the Pulitzer prize for that. Uh, the glass bee game, which is a, uh, 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 my favorite. And um, uh, then uh, Siddhartha is another one. Uh, but, but what the key was Hess was the, what, I came on to him when I was 17. Mm. So already getting into the flow, getting ready to go to high school, one more year left, and a friend who was really uh, very much into that whole thing turned me on to this, and I never put it back. It was one of those defining things that said, go inside. Mm -hmm. Everything's inside, and that's all it was. And when I got those after that, I said, wow, this is, this just, you know, it's, it's just fueling me. And, and that book was, it was a book called Damien, uh, but the writing style, what he was doing uh, went on. So it said Arthur came and, but then when I got into the, uh, far up to the glass speed game, that was an entirely different story. He went so deep into himself. And this is not a person who had it all together. This is not one of your, Hey, I'm, I'm Buddha or I'm Gandhi. This is, this is, I'm falling apart guy. You know, this is, I'm, but the journey and, and, and the way he was attacking it and trying to get it. That's what that, that's what turned me on, on. And I've been doing this. What I've been doing this ever since. Siddhartha's a big one. It's the Buddha right there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, this has been a this has been a pleasure meeting you today and talking. Same here. Same here. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Doctor Reese. If this episode opened your heart feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.